Welcome to the Polygamer Podcast, where gaming is for everyone. Join us as we expand the boundaries of the gaming community. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Polygamer. My name is Ken Gagney and I have an episode for you unlike any other podcast I've ever recorded. Last month I was a guest on the Less Than or Equal podcast hosted by Aline Sims. During our discussion about Gamergate, I, off the top of my head, put forward the theory that although many of us are very concerned about Gamergate and discuss it at length, for most gamers it's not even on their radar. The relationship most gamers have with video games is that they go to Target or GameStop, buy their game, bring it home, play it, and that is the extent of their relationship. I'd never really given that topic much thought before, and I decided I wanted to put that theory to the test. How concerned are mainstream gamers with gaming, with Gamergate, with feminism? I couldn't ask that question on Twitter, because that's where Gamergate was born. I had to go offline to find people who play video games, but are unaware of the issues facing the industry and the community. So for this week's episode, I'm interviewing four people whom you will not find online. They are all active consumers of video game media, but not necessarily participants in video game culture or community. To find these individuals, I use my own personal address book. So these are people whom I know from my own offline real life. They range anywhere from somebody I met once a year ago and have not spoken to since, to one of my best friends, to somebody whom I've known for almost two decades. Despite being limited to my own social network, I strived to achieve a diversity of individuals so as to represent a cross-section of gaming. Therefore, these four people range in age from 22 to 36, and in other demographics including marital and parental status, ethnicity, time zone, sexual orientation, political and religious affiliations, and more. The four main questions I had for each person was, what is a gamer, what is a feminist, who is Anita Sarkeesian, and what is Gamergate? Those four questions will be repeated among each of the four interviews I'll be conducting. Now, based on their reactions, we may go off on different tangents, and therefore each discussion is not exactly identical. For example, I asked one parent if she allows her kids to play violent video games, but it did not come up in discussion with the other parent. So it's not exactly a one-to-one correlation. But that's the point. Everybody has a different opinion on these matters and has different things that they want to contribute to the discussion. Now, since these four people are friends of mine, there is, of course, the opportunity for some bias to be present. As with every interview I conduct, I never want any individual to regret having spoken to me. But that is very much the case in these interviews because these are all individuals I greatly admire and respect. That is only one reason why I was not confrontational when faced with opinions I may or may not have agreed with, but also that's just good journalism. If you want somebody to feel comfortable opening up to you, the least you can do is respect them and give them their space and the right to their opinion. Also, unlike every other episode of Polygamer, this time I did not give my guests an advance notice of what the questions would be. I have also chosen to conduct these interviews on a first-name basis only. As I recently published an article on ComputerWorld.com about how to avoid being doxxed, I am trying to be respectful of individuals' privacy and not reveal more information about them than is necessary. Of course, no one individual can represent an entire demographic, so these series of interviews is just a sample Nonetheless, I found it fascinating, and I very much appreciate these people's time to come on my show. They probably never expected that anybody would want their opinions on gaming or that they would be interviewed on a podcast, and so I appreciate them going outside their comfort zones. I hope that I, in turn, was respectful of their time and their opinions, and that the result is an excellent interview that you are about to enjoy. So thank you so much for tuning in to Polygamer. If you enjoyed this format of episode, send me some feedback at feedback at polygamer.net. 
tweet at me at GameBits, or leave a review in iTunes. Thanks for listening. Today I'm chatting with my old friend Matt. Hello, Matt. Hello, Ken. So we've known each other for about 17 years, ever since we went to college together, and you live in the Massachusetts area, and you're pretty well educated. Do you remind me, do you have a master's degree or just a bachelor's? Just a bachelor's. You do, however, hold a position in a very highly respected career. You are literally a rocket scientist. Uh, Sort of, essentially. System engineering for some of those missile tests, but yes. Very cool. That is very cool, though. So you're about my age, which is in the mid-30s, and yep. if I may ask, do you have any particular religious or political affiliations that you wish to share? Pretty much I'm a Roman Catholic, and I tend to lean conservative towards libertarian in general for my views. Good to know. Thank you. So you've been gaming for as long as I've known you, and probably longer. What's your history with games? So I started off playing video games with an Atari when I was in elementary school. Uh, once the Nintendo came out, my brother and sisters uh, all saved up to get one, and we started playing that. And I've been an avid Nintendo fan since then. Pretty much had each of the Nintendo systems, with the exception of the Super NES, as they were coming out. And, you know, do have the Wii U now that I play games when I'm allowed to. When you're allowed to? Well, the kids have started playing it, too, so they always want to play. So it's a matter of whether I'm playing or whether they are. Ah, so you game together as a family. Yes. Excellent. I'm glad to hear you're raising the next generation of gamers. Uh, what kind of games do you like? Uh, I like a lot of, of the turn-based RPGs and games that have puzzles or things that make you think, which is why I've always loved the Zelda games as one of my primary games that I play. So you're not much for, say, like Halo, Grand Theft Auto, Call of Duty, stuff like that? No, I haven't really been into the first-person shooters. just isn't the type of thing that I've really been into, and uh, I don't worry about the... You need the exact timing of your turns and shots and everything else. What about other systems like PlayStation or Xbox? I've never owned an Xbox. My brother has. Uh, I do have a PlayStation, but we mostly got it for the Karaoke Revolution just for some interesting games there. Oh, I love Karaoke Revolution. That predates Guitar Hero and Rock Band, and I think we actually had some karaoke parties when we were just out of college. Yes. Those were some good times. Yes, they were. You know, nowadays there are so many more opportunities to game with people online, but it really doesn't replace getting everybody in the same room and just singing together. Exactly, and you can make more of a fool yourself with the people in the room. Right, and when you're playing online, you have to worry about somebody recording it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well. Tell me a little bit about your experience with games beyond just playing them. For example, do you go to any gaming conventions like PAX East? I have not been to any gaming conventions. I've been interested in going to the PAX East, but... I just haven't had the time between work and family. Sure, sure. Those are certainly higher priorities. Uh, Tell me, do you consider yourself to be a gamer? It really depends on how you're defining gamer. I'm somebody who enjoys playing games, but never really called myself a gamer, because usually I think of gamers as people who are playing a lot more than I would ever have time for and take it much more seriously than I do. Okay, so there's sort of a minimum threshold of commitment when it comes to playing games? Uh, I, I don't think that there needs to be, but I think the people who consider themselves gamers would tend to be ones who play a lot more games than I do. I see. So it sounds like you may consider yourself a gamer, but other gamers may not. Potentially. Okay. Interesting. Do you engage in uh, gaming culture in terms of consuming media about it, like magazines, websites, YouTube videos, anything like that? Uh, typically when I go to websites, uh, it's only just to get more information on a game that I'm interested in that I saw a commercial for. Uh, I don't really go out and buy games. I do get the Game Informer magazine uh, when I sign up for the GameStop rewards, but that's the only reason I have those, but I haven't actually looked at one in over a year. 
Wow, okay. And are you on Twitter? I just signed up for it recently, but I haven't really started using it. Oh, what was your motivation to sign up? Uh, I was at the Alton Brown show that was here in Boston, and he was using stuff with Twitter during the show. Oh, okay. So it was a specific event that you wanted to participate in. Correct. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. So I'm interested in talking with you a bit about some of the experiences that have happened in the game industry in the past year. If you know about them, I'm interested in your reactions. If you don't know about them, I'll uh, bring you up to speed and get some reactions. Uh, My first question is, do you know who Anita Sarkeesian is? Uh, Not off the top of my head. Okay. Anita Sarkeesian is a media critic who two and a half years ago went on Kickstarter and asked for $6,000 to fund the creation of a series of videos that would examine how women are portrayed in video games. She would go over the last 30 years of games, mostly modern stuff, but also some historical examples to lay the foundation, and look at how women are represented in survival horror games, fighting games, platforming games, uh, characters like Princess Peach or Lara Croft or Miss Pac-Man or uh, some of the characters from Resident Evil, for example, also in Grand Theft Auto, and just look at some of the themes and trends that occur when you look at the big picture of how women are treated in games. First of all, what do you think was not necessarily your reaction, but the general reaction to her going on Kickstarter and asking for this money for this cause? I can't really guess too much as to what the other reaction would be for other gamers, because I would think it'd depend on the individual gamer based off their views and what kind of attitudes they have towards how the women are portrayed in games as well. Absolutely, and there were a variety of reactions depending on the individual gamer. I can grossly generalize it into two camps. One is that there were a lot of people who uh, did not like this idea. They thought that this was a waste of time and a waste of money, and that games should not be critiqued in this way, or that there is nothing to critique. And so they actually uh, lodged quite a bit of harassment at Miss Sarkeesian. Uh, they went on Twitter and threatened her. Uh, one person made a web-based game where there is a mugshot of Anita Sarkeesian, and as you click on her face, it shows her getting continuously more battered and bruised. So that was the negative reaction. Are you surprised by this? I'm not really surprised, but I think it's an unfortunate reaction for some people. Yeah. yeah. Well, on the bright side, this also caused her to get a lot of publicity, and the merits of her Kickstarter as well earned her a total funding of about 2,400% what she asked for. So instead of 6,000, she got 160,000. However, she does continue to be harassed even two and a half years later. She's made many of these videos. She has to make comments disabled on all the YouTube videos because of the hatred that she would get through it. And even just this past summer, she went to give a presentation at Utah State University, and the school officials received an anonymous email saying that if they allowed her to speak, they would be subjected to the worst school shooting in history. Wow. That's a bit severe reaction. Yeah, and it doesn't exactly help the argument that video games don't cause violence. Yeah, it's very unfortunate. Yeah. What do you think about the portrayal of women in video games? This might not be something you've given a lot of thought to. Is it something worth thinking about, or you know, do you have any thoughts on the subject? So I, I've seen various spectrums, as you said, like the Laura Croft, and you know, then we have like the DOA, which, you know, very different spectrums of, you know, the type of women that are in the games. I think it's largely dependent on who's right in the games and what their views are for where it goes. And I think there can be all types of women in the games 
and people are just going to be going towards and using which ones they want. You said that the portrayal of the women in the games is dependent upon who is writing the games. Who do you think that is? Do you think games are made mostly by men or by women? These days, I know women are being much more in that world. You know, in the early days, it was mostly a male-based field just because those are the ones who are the computer scientists and had interest in those. But I know over the past decade and a half, women have been more interested and have started going into that realm and would have been more of the creators in this day and age. Okay, so it's a growing demographic, the number of women in the games industry, you think? Yes, I believe so. Okay, cool. There are many women who are advocating not only for more women in the industry, but also uh, more and different kinds of women characters in games. For example, the latest Grand Theft Auto offers three playable characters, all of them men. Do you think it really matters which characters we have access to in games, Is it, or should we just focus on the gameplay? It really depends on whether the different characters, there's something about them that would draw you to them and connect with them, in which case maybe you want to have a woman of a, or multiple women, all depending on the personalities of them, that may change the gameplay in some way, shape, or form, as well as there may be abilities in some games that may be for women versus men, in which case I could see there being a change there. But if it's a generic character with everything being identical except for the skin, so to speak, I would see no difference or need either way to have men or women. It could be a whatever for just making sure the gameplay's there. If there were, say, four playable characters in a game, two men, two women, and they may have different narratives, but functionally they are identical. No one is weaker than the other. Would you tend to choose the man or the woman, or does it really not matter? You would play them all because you want to see all the stories. If they each had a different story and that's the only difference, I'd end up playing them all to see all the stories. Okay. The name of Anita Sarkeesian's YouTube channel where she posts all these videos is called Feminist Frequency. And that word feminist has a lot of different meanings based, again, on who you ask. I'm curious, what is your definition of a feminist? Do you consider yourself a feminist? I, I don't really consider myself a feminist. Usually I see feminists as ones who believe that women are superior and trying to work towards that. There are different levels of that. Some are, you know, much more man-hating. Others are just more passive about it, but just do have that feeling that women are superior from what I've seen. Uh, now, somebody who is advocating for equality of the genders, not superiority of either one to the other, what is the appropriate descriptor for them? Uh, I don't know if there is really a term out there right now because usually I haven't really seen anybody who's advocating for that and having a label applied. Few people, when they say they want equality and equal rights, they aren't always really saying they, they aren't really working towards equal rights. They really want to push one side further is what I've seen. Okay. Let's see. So we talked a little bit about Anita Sarkeesian. There's somebody else, or something else, actually, that has come up this past year that I think is worth discussing. About three months ago, the word Gamergate arose as a Twitter hashtag. And as you mentioned, you're not on Twitter, but it's also been featured in some news outlets that extend beyond the gaming community. Have you heard of Gamergate? I had seen some stories on CNN.com about that. Did you get enough of an idea that you can summarize what it is supposedly is about? Uh, not really. I kind of put it out of my mind after I read the things and then started looking at other stories. All right, well, I'll give you just a quick summary. There is a Boston-based uh, independent game developer named Zoe Quinn, and she made a web-based game called Depression Quest. It's sort of a choose-your-own-adventure game 
where it's a genre of game known as an empathy game, where it's supposed to demonstrate what it's like to live as somebody else's lifestyle, in this case, somebody with depression. It got a lot of acclaim from some gaming outlets, some reviewers, but some gamers thought it was undeserved because by their definition, it's not really a game, it's more of a story. Uh, Regardless, what happened this past August that really thrust her into the limelight, one of her ex-boyfriends went on a website and posted a blog where he stated that she had cheated on him with five guys, including trading sexual favors in exchange for positive reviews of her game, Depression Quest. Now, what do you think would have been an appropriate response to this blog post being published? Are you talking about from her or gamers or... Uh, just, you know, if you stumbled across this blog post and you took the time to read all 10,000 words of it, what would your reaction be? Uh, my reaction would be I would really hope that, you know, somebody wasn't trying to bribe reviewers for good reviews in general, whether it's monetary or sexual or other favors. Just in general, I would hope that the reviewers are actually using some kind of standard of quality for whether a game is worthwhile or not. In terms of that actual game, it sounds like it would definitely fit my definition of a game of sorts where you do something and work your way through it, but it may not be something of interest to me. That's fine. You know, There are a lot of people who they're they're sort of playing the role of cultural gatekeeper and they feel like if the game doesn't apply to me, if it doesn't interest me, then it shouldn't be available. And it, it sounds like you're acknowledging that there needs to be diverse games out there. Yeah, kind of like the games like Halo and Call of Duty don't really meet what I'm looking for a game. I'm not saying that it shouldn't be there. There should be games of all types for all people. And, well, the games that uh, more people are interested will make more money. It's the way capitalism works. Great, so we'll just let the gamers vote with their dollars. And if nobody wants to play the game, it won't be made. But there are um, reasons to make a game other than commercial value. For example... Uh, Depression Quest came out right around the same time that Robin Williams unfortunately committed suicide, and so Zoe Quinn made the game available for free for a time so that people could better relate to what Mr. Williams had gone through. And so it may not have made her a lot of money, but I think it was received by a lot of people, so maybe we can count the popularity of a game not just in dollar sales, but just in terms of access, how many people have tried it. Well, yes. Um, downloads is a good way of doing it, kind of like all the games on Google Play or or the iTunes market that are free. Uh, they're making their money usually by advertising, but still, it's free to the users, so people will try them out and see what they like and continue to play it or not based off their desires. I want to go back to something else you said about the ethics in games journalism, and I, I agree that I would hope that nobody is trading sexual favors for a game review. So if ethics in games journalism is something worth advocating for, which you know I think you and I both agree, it's valuable to have critics and reviewers being honest about their influences. What is the best way to advocate for that? Yeah, I think one of the things is there should be just some statement, whether they've met the person before, whose game they're reviewing, if they have any connections, just kind of a just out there so you know so they can write a good review about somebody they know well but people should know that so they can know whether they're reviewing the person or the game from that perspective yeah just full disclosure yeah other than that i have no other ideas how you could really do that one of the ways that the internet responded to this 
supposed violation of ethics in games journalism was to behave toward Zoe Quinn very similarly to how they behaved toward Anita Sarkeesian, which was constant harassment, uh, threats, uh, Twitter assaults. Have you heard of something called being doxxed or doxing? No. Doxing or basically the releasing of documents or documentation is when you publicly publish somebody's personal information, such as their name, address, phone number, birthday, social security, financial records, and the like. So people posted Zoe's home address, her work address, her father's phone number. People started calling her dad at home, calling his daughter a slut and a whore. That was how they chose to pursue ethics in games journalism. Any reactions to that? Uh, besides people are dumb. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, vigilanteism is never a good thing. <laughs> not even Batman? No, not even Batman, really, when you get down to it for a real-life situation. It's great for the comic books, but in real life, there needs to be some kind of justice system and a way to determine what is good and bad. Some people feel that since the... Gamergate movement, uh, this is the hashtag that has been associated with both ethics in games journalism and with harassment in the games industry. Some people feel that since Gamergaters chose to attack primarily Zoe Quinn, the game developer, as opposed to the journalist she supposedly slept with, that this was misdirected, these outcries, and potentially sexist or motivated by sexism, as opposed to actually ethics in games journalism. Do you think there's any credence to that? There's probably some, and it would be a matter of the people are lazy and probably wouldn't look up who these reviewers were supposedly, and they have her name there, so they're just going to attack the person they see. Okay. Well, you know what? That's actually pretty much most of what I want to talk about. I just wanted to get some initial reactions to Anita Sarkeesian's Feminist Frequency video, uh, the whole Gamergate thing. Gamergate is something that's been on the mind of a lot of gamers in the last three months, especially those who are deeply entrenched in gaming culture online, especially on Twitter, because it actually started, as I said, as a hashtag. And my theory was that people who are not on Twitter probably aren't all that familiar with it, and I just wanted to introduce them to this concept and see what they thought about it. Do you have any closing thoughts or any reactions or anything else you want to share? No, my mind's a blank at the moment. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I think that's a great opportunity to play some games. Games are supposed to be fun, and or at least that's how they were founded, just to be relaxing. And it's still a great way to just have some escapism. And I think for a lot of people, that's all it needs to be. So thank you so much for your time, Matt. No problem, Ken. Catch you later. Now I'm chatting with my good friend, Dash. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Fine, thank you. Thanks for giving me some of your time today. Wasn't doing anything else. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is the Christmas season. I'm sure you're busy rapping. Well, yeah, but that can wait. So you and I met through a fundraiser about a year ago, and we've become good friends since then. Yep. And you and I are about the same age in our mid-30s. Yep. And can you tell me what it is that you generally do in your careers? Um, I'm mostly a mom, stay-at-home mom. But you've also worked in, is it the retirement community? I actually worked at a mental health facility. Ah, very good. So you have some healthcare training. Yes. Wonderful. And if this isn't too personal, may I ask if you have any political or religious leanings that you wish to identify? No, I have none. I'm right in the middle. I'm boring. Sounds good. Thank you. Okay, so one of the things that you and I have bonded over in the past year is video games. How long have you been playing video games? Probably since the original NES one was out in the 80s sometime. Wow, and you have you been gaming that whole time? I don't know if I'd necessarily say, like, hardcore heavy gaming, but yeah, I've been playing with systems since that time. 
And what systems do you currently count among your library? Um, I have a Wii. I have a Wii U. I play games on PC. I have an Xbox 360. And when I get really bored, I do casual games on my smartphone. How do you define casual games? Like stuff that doesn't take too much investment. Okay. And when you're playing games on your Xbox or your PC, what kind of games are those? Um, I like MMORPGs. I like fantasy games. I like stuff that I have to think about. What kind of MMOs? Uh, it depends. I've played, I've played everything from Toontown Online to like serious slash and hack fantasy type stuff. So. And do your kids play games? They both do, yes. May I ask what kind of games those are? Um, it really depends. Uh, my daughter likes a lot of Connect games. She likes like Fantastic Pets and stuff. And my son will play anything. Anything, even like Call of Duty. Oh yeah, he's he's rocktastic at Call of Duty. <laughs> May I ask how old he is? He's eleven. Awesome, very cool. Do you tend to game by yourself with your family, with friends online? It kind of depends. I mean, if I have some downtime at home and no kids around, then I'll sit down and, and waste an hour or two. Otherwise, I usually play with the kids. I do play online, but not really, like, super cooperatively. So it's not like I'm not a World of Warcraft kind of person. Gotcha. So you like some MMOs, but not necessarily World of Warcraft. Not necessarily. Like, I, the ones I like online, like, online, online are, like, Toontown. It's really kind of cute and kid-friendly, and it was a Disney thing. It's gone now. So when you say kid-friendly, you obviously don't mean Call of Duty. It's definitely not Call of Duty. It's you're a cartoon, basically. So. Gotcha. So this is quite the diversity of consoles and genres that you enjoy. Do you consider yourself to be a gamer? Um, no. What does that word mean to you? Um, I think that for me personally, someone that considers themselves a gamer is probably like more in depth in gaming things outside of actual playing games, like online forums. Um, Sort of stuff like ta like spending a lot of time outside of the game, like doing research and figuring out fun ways to find Easter eggs and stuff like that. I, I don't have time for that stuff. When I play a game, I play a game. And when I'm outside of playing a game, I don't have anything else to do with playing games. So you don't read magazines or visit websites or watch YouTube videos or go to conventions? Um, every now and again, if I'm stuck somewhere, I will look up a walkthrough. But other than that, no, I don't. Okay, but based on one's commitment to a game, anybody can be a gamer, right? Yeah. Okay. And are you on Twitter? Um, I am, but I don't use it. So what did you sign up for? I originally signed up for um, tweets from the MS Challenge Rock, and other than that, I don't really. Great, that being the fundraiser you and I met at. Exactly. Excellent. Okay, so there have been a couple of things that have happened in the games industry and community in the past year that have been in the news, and I'd like to ask you about them and see what your reactions are. Have you heard of Anita Sarkeesian? No. Anita Sarkeesian is a media critic who two and a half years ago went on Kickstarter and asked for $6,000 to produce a series of YouTube videos that analyze video games, both historical and modern, from a feminist perspective on how these games represent women and the roles that women have in these games. Oh, I think I've actually... I remember talking to you about this person. Oh, okay. Maybe it did but come up in one of our Very vaguely, but it was, you know, I think... Maybe I saw a YouTube or something on it. Do you remember anything else beyond that? No, not really. Okay. Well, when she asked for this money, a lot of people felt that it was 
not necessary to examine games from this lens and that it was a waste of time. Uh, people actually, some people actually got quite violent about it. They went on Twitter and they harassed her and they threatened her. One person even created a web browser game that shows a picture of her face and as you click on it with your mouse, she gets progressively more battered and bruised. Well, that's no fun. No. <laughs> Why do you think people reacted so strongly to her game, to the to her suggestion that games be analyzed in this way? Um, I don't know. People maybe are just a little bit sensitive or something. It's there's no reason. It's there's no reason to not analyze games in with different perspectives. I mean, some of the studies that get paid for by the government are like, did you actually study that? You studied bread mold for six years. Like, so why not video games? They are socially um, relevant, and you know, if someone takes offense to maybe how female characters are portrayed, then there's no reason to not look at it and maybe see how you can change that a little bit. Have you ever made any observations about how women are portrayed in games, or had any reactions to how they're portrayed in the games you play? Generally, I don't get that ruffled about it or anything. Like, I think that there are probably very few strong female characters in most games, and the ones that are are barbie proportioned but um pretty much like you just have to look past that and say all right well that's not how a human is shaped so let's keep going because i want to go kill something now does it even matter how women are portrayed in games i think there are certain games where i don't approve of how women are portrayed like we have no grand theft auto games in my house whatsoever i think they are incredibly um degrading and other than that like I don't really get bothered by, you know, like, the cartoony, um, comic booky, busty female. It doesn't, it doesn't really rub me either way. Some people are concerned that we're setting a bad example for our children by misrepresenting women in games. But I'm, it's curious how that concern can be juxtaposed with the idea that games cause violence, because a lot of people like to say, oh, I can play Grand Theft Auto and not go out and kill people. What is one of the reasons that you don't have Grand Theft Auto in your house? I mean, are you concerned about your kids growing up to be serial killers? Um, I don't think my kids will grow up to be serial killers. They're um, Obviously, my son plays Call of Duty, which is very graphic, and it's in a wartime setting, but there have been the discussions that this is not real, this is not life, you can't go and shoot someone and expect them to respawn because it doesn't happen. I think that maybe being in a in a having been in the mental health field that there are probably people that um could be predisposed to because of, you know, mental issues to having a hard time distinguishing those lines between gaming and real life. But I think that someone that has maybe like a nice healthy mental state, it shouldn't really be a problem. I don't have Grand Theft Auto because pretty much while you see war on the TV and you see, you know, whatever else on the TV, I don't really feel like getting into a discussion with my 11-year-old child about selling drugs or prostitution. And do you feel that same concern is true for sexist games as well? I mean, do you do you think that people with a, as you say, healthy mental state, it's okay to be playing games with a variety of portrayals of women, some accurate and some not, as long as it's fun? Um, I think it sort of depends. Like, I definitely think that um, social media, media in general, and games could kind of skew, especially, like, guys, how they perceive that a woman should be. Um, you know, 
Photoshop and video games. And it's not just video games. I mean, if you look at magazine covers, like slim this, slim that, smooth this out, like that's not how people look in life. But if you're bombarded with these images, then it starts to become the norm in your brain. Well, fortunately... Despite all the criticism that Anita Sarkeesian received, and that's putting it lightly, she also got a lot of good publicity and a lot of supporters, and even though she only asked for $6,000, she raised over $150,000 to produce her videos. That's awesome. She has since gone on to become a speaker in a variety of media and at uh, meetings and sessions and lectures throughout the country. That's where I saw her was TED Talk. Okay, keep going. Sorry. (laughs) No, she did do a TED Talk, and this past summer she was scheduled to give a talk at Utah State University. The school administration, prior to that presentation, received an anonymous email saying that if they allowed Anita Sarkeesian to speak, the school would be subjected to the worst school shooting in history. Awesome. That, That is not a stable human being. It is certainly one way to silence the opposition, unfortunately. She decided to cancel the talk because... Utah has a law allowing people to carry weapons, and they were not going to violate that at her talk, so they basically told her, yes, there will be guns at your talk. And she said, in that case, I don't feel safe. I have to cancel this presentation. I don't blame her. The name of her YouTube channel under which she has been producing these videos is called Feminist Frequency. Do you identify as a feminist? I don't know if I necessarily identify as a feminist, though I don't also, neither do I identify as like a 50s housewife. So, somewhere in between, I guess. What would be your definition of a feminist? It's a good question. You know, I'm not quite sure, to be honest with you. Like, I definitely think it's more independent and, like, I'm a girl, I can do everything a guy can do type thing, but, like, more than that. There's sort of, like, a aggression to it, I guess. Sort of like somebody who's angry about it? I suppose that's not quite the right word, but yeah, I guess. Some of the definitions I'm hearing on this podcast, one is that a feminist is somebody who believes in equal rights and opportunities for men and women. The other definition I'm hearing predominantly is a feminist is somebody who thinks that women are superior to men. Do you identify with either of those? Do either of those ring true for you? Um, I definitely think that you know, equal opportunities and, you know, equal pay for equal work and all that stuff is is something I do identify with. But I don't identify with women being superior to men. I think a person is a person is a person, no matter what equipment you have. Whether it's an Xbox, a PlayStation, or a Wii. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So there's been one other incident in the news I want to talk to you about. It's called Gamergate. Have you heard of that? Um, I've heard the term, but I don't really, really know what it is. Okay, well, Gamergate arose this past August, and it's centered initially around a female developer in the Boston area named Zoe Quinn. She had previously made a game called Depression Quest, which is sort of a choose-your-own-adventure text game that simulates what it's like to live with a mental health disorder. This is a genre of game called an empathy game. Okay. Some gamers felt that the game received unnecessarily due praise because they didn't really think it was a game. There are no graphics, there's no shoot 'em up, it's just a text game, more of a novel, really. And they felt that it was taking press away from real games. Regardless, this past August, uh, her ex boyfriend, Zoe Quinn's ex boyfriend, went online and posted a 10,000 word blog post detailing his former relationship with Miss Quinn. 
and suggesting that she had cheated on him with five guys, including a journalist she slept with in exchange for a positive review of her game, Depression Quest. Okay. Now, let's assume for the moment that you, for some reason, took the time to read this 10,000-word rant from her ex-boyfriend, and uh, making these allegations against Miss Quinn and her ethical propriety. What would your reaction to that be? I probably would have to read it, but just from not having read it and not knowing the tone, my first thought is, ooh, someone's bitter. So you would take the source into consideration? I definitely would take the source into consideration. What about the suggestion that someone might trade favors for a positive review? I I don't... uh, How do I want to put this? I don't think that that is necessarily a good thing to do. Like, it's definitely not ethical, but it's not surprising, and it happens in other realms, too. Yes, but this is games journalism we're talking about. This is important. (laughs) I don't don't know exactly how important I would place games in perspective to other things, but, you know, I... It's not shocking. Well, one way the internet at large responded to this blog post was uh, the harassment and threatening of Miss Quinn. They went on Twitter. They, you know, said nasty, mean things about her. Uh, some people doxed her. Have you heard the term doxing? Ah, uh, no. Doxing means the publication of personal documents, specifically a person's name, address, phone number, social security number, financial records, workplace. So they actually started calling Zoe Quinn's employer and past employers trying to get more information about her. They started calling her father at his home, informing him that his daughter is a slut, things like that. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, And then the harassment extended beyond that to other self-identifying feminists in the game industry, A another developer in the Boston area named Brianna Wu, she got doxxed. Somebody went on Twitter, posted her address, and said, now that I know where you live, this is what I'm going to do to you. And so she has been spending a lot of her time since then not developing games, which is her job, but instead dealing with local authorities and the FBI to address these issues of, her, of harassment. That's horrible. That's... that's uh... It's affecting that poor woman's livelihood, first of all. But second of all, don't think people have better things to do with their day? Well, one person who has been receiving this harassment, her response to it has been to... I'm not sure if she is in turn doxing the people harassing her, but she is somehow identifying who they are and forwarding their threats to the harassers' mothers. Turns out very often these harassers are you know, still teenagers living at home. You know what? Good for her. That's awesome. Well, one way to stem the tide of harassment is to get the harassers grounded. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm going to tell your mother on you. <laughs> yeah, that usually works, okay. especially if they're still living at home. So you and I talked about the representation of women in games as it pertains to Anita Sarkeesian's critical analysis. But with Zoe Quinn, this is not about women in games. It's about women in the games industry. And apparently... There are people out there who find that notion similarly intolerable. What is it that people have against women in the games industry? I don't know. I mean, honestly, it it really shouldn't be a threat. If there is someone who is talented and can develop a good game, it really shouldn't matter if they're a man or a woman. Maybe it's been such a big big male-dominated thing for so long that it's sort of like a old boys club and they're getting a little pissy but times are changing 
Okay. Well, thank you very much for your perspective on all these topics. Is there anything you want to add? I don't really think so. I think we kind of hit it off. Yeah, I would say so. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you. Our next interview on this episode of Polygamer is with my friend TJ. Hello, TJ. Hello, Ken. How are you doing? Fine, thank you. Yourself? I'm doing great. Now, in, in the interest of full disclosure, I've already told our listeners that everybody on this episode of Polygamer is a friend of mine, but I want to be clear that you are actually one of my best friends in the whole world, and even though I've seen you only on three occasions in my life, you and I chat regularly. In fact, I even recorded an episode of my Indecider podcast at your apartment. So just as the matter of us talking so often, you probably have some familiarity with the topics we'll be discussing, but I have not given you any advance notice on exactly what those topics are. Okay. There you go. Here we are. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, we have your name. Tell me about, you know, how old are you? What part of the country do you live in? Roughly, what do you do? So I'm 31 years old. I work in marketing research, which is not the dream job, you know, but it's uh, on the side I do graphic design and video editing, which is more of kind of the, the line that I want to get into. But if you ever have a product and want to know how people feel about it that are 21 to 54, let me know. I can, let, I can give you as much information as you want. Well, thank you. I'll, I might take you up on that. Do you have any political or religious affiliations you wish to share? Uh, wow, hitting with the hard questions already. Um, I am, I would say, agnostic and moderate to liberal. I usually don't discuss politics all that much. So, no, we're not here to discuss politics. Although certainly some of your political leanings may come out as a matter of the discussion. But I just was interested if you have any particular party that you affiliate with that you wish to divulge. No. Very good. Thank you, sir. Mm -hmm. So you and I did not meet through gaming. However, you do participate in gaming. You seem to be quite active in various consoles and games and also on the computer. How long have you been playing video games? Uh, let's see. I started with uh, the NES system, which was fantastic, and that brought me through most of my childhood. My favorite system was the Super Nintendo. Um, I started with Nintendo, the... Let's see, I think it was like on my sixth birthday or something that I that I got the Nintendo system, which was awesome. And it was the full set with the um, duck hunting gun and the uh, Olympics pad. I don't exactly remember what the name of the game was, but it, it was super fun. And my sisters used to play with me a lot, but then they kind of fell by the wayside as they, you know, discovered boys in teeny bopper magazines. And I continued to game on through... Um, college and to this day I, I will say that i don't game as much as i used to which is something that i think is more just about trying to deal with personal obligations right now rather than the actual want of gaming because there's times where i just really want to go back to super nintendo and play secret of mana and just enjoy myself so so what consoles do you play on now I would say Super Nintendo still. Sometimes I'll plug in my PlayStation 2, but mostly it's PlayStation 3 and the Wii. I haven't got the Wii U yet because I, I don't know. I guess I just want to wait and see how the console is doing. I know that it, it, from the little bit that I've read about it, it seems like it's at least getting a little bit better now, but it had a rocky start where it seemed like people were not as thrilled with it as they could have been. So. And what kind of games are you playing on these consoles? Mostly RPGs. I love um, Xenoblade Chronicles. Uh, on Super Nintendo, I will play Chrono Trigger, which is one of my absolute favorite games in the entire world. Uh, I will also play Super Mario World, Super Mario Kart on Super Nintendo. Um, I will play Secret of Mana, Final Fantasy VI. Um, 
if I ever feel the need for an absolute saga, I will basically use the, the emulator on the PlayStation 3 uh, for, or I should say the downloaded version on PlayStation 3 of um, Xenosaga, which is, or sorry, Xenogears. Wow, I feel like I need to be slapped for that one, which is one of my absolute favorite games in the entire world. I think I've wasted over 200 hours on playing that two or three times. So it's a, it's a life choice. <laughs> When you say that people didn't seem as happy with the Wii U when it first launched, where are you getting that impression from? I believe that the sales were pretty low, and it didn't seem like they had a lot of games lined up when it first launched that were going to be exciting. And I forget where I was reading it, but they didn't. It sounded like the games that had come out were not really using the um, the new controller to its fullest extent. Where people were like, "Well, why would I get a Wii U if it's going to be?" relatively similar graphics but you know okay it comes with this gaming pad what am i going to do with it and then then i think games are now more geared towards using the game pad but this is all speculation on my part so so other than speculation where do you get your news or your sales figures for the Wii? do you follow gaming websites or watch youtube videos or read magazines i from time to time and this is very rarely um will go to ign I will check Metacritic for um, just the overall game ratings to see whether or not it's something that I want to invest in. Because since I don't game that much, I want to make sure that if I'm going to get something, it's not going to be absolutely terrible. And then on top of that, Amazon reviews, trying to think of anything else. And just talking with either you or my friend Dan in California, who is also kind of an RPG gamer. So he spends a lot of time on IGN and will just kind of give me uh, little facts here and there will be like, oh, this game really sounds cool. And he'll be like, oh, I researched that and this is what happened and blah, blah, blah. And I'll be like, thank you. Thank you for my heads up. Since you like RPGs so much, those tend to be a, more of a solitary affair. Do you game with other people? I do not. I would say that my foray into gaming with other people are either, you know, if it's a two-player game, which very rarely happens now because I don't really know that many gamers that are, you know, locally. I have played journey and i it's it's funny because i'm sure that there are tons of people that would just say you know oh well that's just a normal feeling that you get from gaming but it was really exciting to me to log on to you know journey start playing and then all of a sudden this random stranger from who knows where all of a sudden pops up and the two of you have to pair to well i mean you don't have to but pairing up with the stranger that you just kind of are playing a game with a person you don't really know them it's exciting, it's exhilarating, and I think the best part about it would be the simple communication structure that you had where you could just do pings. I feel like, and this is entirely, you know, kind of my own thought, but from the little bit that I've heard of how bad gaming can get if you have, you know, a headset and someone telling you that you're a noob, I like the idea of being able to play with somebody and only have like pings that you can kind of talk back and forth because then you don't have to have like a you're not opening yourself up to a negative gaming situation if you just want to play a game and have fun speaking of gaming in a larger community do you tend to go to any sort of gaming conventions i've been to pax east twice i'm going to be going again this uh in 2015 it's it's a lot of fun it's and the only reason that i was kind of hesitating there is I really enjoy the events. I'm not a huge crowd person, but the thing that's been really interesting in going over the past two years is 
realizing how far away I've gotten from the gaming industry. You know, I still have my favorite games and going to some of the panels where they were talking about RPGs, it's kind of living in nostalgia, which is awesome. But I do also feel like I'm not as fully connected when they're talking about, you know, MMO part, MMO RPGs or first person shooters. And, you know, I just played the newest Call of Duty game and it's like, I what's Call of Duty? <laughs> so do you consider yourself a gamer? I consider myself someone who plays video games. Um, I consider myself someone who really appreciates the story and, you know, the skill that might go along with it. But I consider myself someone who's maybe on the outskirts of it, if at all. So uh, I would say that I'm a person who's fascinated by video games, but not really a gamer. What does it mean to be a gamer? There's your philosophical question for you. For me personally, I would say being a gamer is someone who is more invested in the gaming world, someone who actually uh, will play uh, any sort of online gaming where they actually have a handle and you know uh, have a persona that is actually out there in the gaming world. So I would say that to me, being a gamer is a little more hardcore. Your your life not really is centered around it, but you you gain a lot of pleasure from playing video games, and it in a way defines who you are because on any given you know free time that you have you're going to weigh your options on do I really want to go and play this video game or do I want to go you know hang out at this place or do I want to have a party at my place and play video games or do I want to go out and you know hike or something which not to say that gamers don't hike gamers definitely hike but I feel like to be a gamer Thinking about video games is a constant in your kind of decision cycle, if that makes sense. So if you were to call yourself a gamer, you personally, TJ, would somebody else be justified in saying, no, you're not? Interesting question. I mean, everybody's going to have their own definition of what a gamer is. But if I personally were to identify myself as a gamer, then I would like to think that it wouldn't matter if somebody else was saying that I wasn't a gamer. In other words, like if, if I was to say, you know, well... So, like, everything's going to be in scales. So if I go to a party where nobody plays video games and I'm talking about how excited I am to have some free time and actually go play, you know, Xenoblade or I'm super excited to go play Chrono Trigger and, you know, just kind of get myself lost for a couple of hours where I can just relive all of that excitement. I think in that group I would define myself as a gamer and if someone was to show up at that party and be like oh you know i just played these six games that i haven't heard of and then i say oh well i'm kind of a gamer too i play this and they tell me that i'm not a gamer because i haven't played those games i would still feel like i was a gamer i just feel like i would not i'm not measuring up to what they define as a gamer so in other words it's it's kind of like i don't really care what they have to say as long as i can play my video games <laughs> So it's both subjective and contextual. Yes. Great. Great. Thank you. Uh, tell me, are, are you on Twitter? I am not on Twitter. Great. So there have been a lot of things happening on Twitter and in the larger gaming industry in the past year or two, and I'd like to ask you about some of them. If you don't know what I'm talking about, that's fine. I'm interested in what you don't know, and I'll bring you up to speed and get some general reactions. The first question I have is, who is Anita Sarkeesian? Anita Sarkeesian, from what I've heard from you and from you know just kind of seeing her on youtube i've never actually watched like a full episode of hers but she deals with female tropes in video games and the unfortunately the 
largest part that I know about her is what was actually in the news, which I read on BBC about her talk, I think in Utah that was canceled because someone threatened that they were going to have a mass shooting or some sort of, I don't know, there was some sort of retaliation that they said that if she actually talked, they were going to kill people, which is unfortunate. I mean, that's a way understatement, but that's the extent of kind of how I know her, if that makes sense. So you were not familiar with her at the time that she went on Kickstarter? I was not. I You would inform me, I think, after her Kickstarter had gone on, um, that you had backed her. But other than that, I just went and looked at um, a couple of her videos. And, I mean, again, it was just kind of like a quick click, and then I had to um, go do other stuff. But that was about it. Well, when she initially went on Kickstarter to fund this series of videos that she as a media critic would use to analyze the role of women in video games and their portrayal, she had initially asked for only $6,000. And there was a lot of people who thought that this was not a, a subject worth pursuing. And, and that's where the harassment began. One person even created a web-based game that showed her mugshot. And as you click on her picture, she continuously gets more battered and bruised. Um, I actually, yeah. And now that you're talking about that, I remember that as well. That's, that just sucks. I mean, yeah. Well, fortunately the bad publicity came with some good publicity and instead of $6,000, she raised $160,000. Awesome. But why do you think this subject, both during its gestation period in Kickstarter and in her continuing work in producing videos and talks at places like Utah State University, why is there always such a hostile reaction? That is a very good question. Um, <laughs> it's just, you know, you, you kind of keep, you think about what kind of hate has to be out there in order to actually make a video game about beating someone up, which, I mean, you know, I wasn't the most popular kid in school, so of course I had to deal with a lot of bullying. So the idea that there would be someone out there who... And I assume that they would have had to deal with bullying too, because let's face it, there's you know bullying is out there for everybody. To turn around and use the tactics that might have been used on you as a kid against someone else is shows like a complete lack of understanding. Well, just in humanity itself. But and, and I'm sorry, the totally going off topic on your question. But what would cause that? I mean, generally, the, I would think that it would be fear. Um, fear of the unknown, fear of change. I think it's fascinating looking at, you know, something that I may have seen as a kid. And like, for instance, um, I believe that she gave a talk on Mario Brothers and the idea that there's like the helpless princess or there's like the sexy um, action video game star that's, you know, kind of like, okay, she's hostile, but she's super sexy and kind of wondering why those are the two kind of major images of women in video games. And I think it's fascinating to look back on my childhood with Super Mario and and say like, oh, you know, it is true that there's, you know, the princess was generally this helpless person that you had to go and save. And of course there was Mario 2 where she actually helped out. And by the way, she was badass in Mario 2. I always played as the princess. But um, I could see how some people, if they had an idea of, you know, this is what my childhood was. This is what video games are to me. And then you have somebody coming along and saying, hey, here's another way to look at it. By the way, it might not be so rosy, but it's, you know, another part of the story. I look at that as a, as a place to grow and see the world 
in a different way. Whereas I could see other people would get really angry at the idea of, you know, why would you question my childhood? Why would you question this great thing that I absolutely love and want to try and turn me against it? And I'm using that in a very kind of strong term because I don't really think that she's trying to turn people against video games. I just think she's giving another lens to look at it. Why is it that you think women are portrayed in one of those two ways you described in video games? Why aren't there more diverse representations of women in games? This is just obviously my own personal opinion, but I feel like societally, there's not really, I mean, we're, we're getting there. We're, you know, we're getting more, more positive kind of representation of women, but I wouldn't say that it was just video games that this is happening in. Uh, I go, you know, I would go to the famous Joss Whedon quote of, I think a reporter asked him, you know, why is it that you're so fascinated in making these strong female characters? Like, why do you do it? And he was like, well, because you're still asking me that question. It's just a fascinating way of looking at it in another way of saying, you know, why is there, why is it a shocker to see women in any other, you know, role than a princess or somebody who's kicking ass, you know? I was involved in the 48-hour film festival uh, about two months ago in August in Chicago here. And one of the genres that they had was the femme fatale, where they, and they had to kind of explain it to the whole crowd of, we just want women that are in strong roles. They don't have to be kick-ass or anything like that. We just want like really strong women who are the lead, who can, you know, not, not that it's a positive or negative representation, but they were trying to get away from the idea of, you know, oh, by saying femme fatale, it has to be this like kick-ass spy who wears spandex and, you know, she's beautiful. It just has to be a very strong female lead. And when I went to see a lot of the uh, videos that were um, screened, we had a Q&A afterwards and there were a number of primarily male film teams that got up to talk and they said, you know, oh, well, the first thing that I drew was femme fatale and I had no idea how to do that. So I had to switch genres, which meant that I had to pull a wild card. But it was just very fascinating to me to see, you know, these groups of people who are like, I have no idea what to do about a strong female. Like, what would I make, you know, how would I make a video with that? And so I feel like, you know, there's, uh, with a little bit that I've read about the gaming industry, there is this, um, and, and for being at PAX and kind of hearing about uh, different um, panels that would discuss like sexism and, and inequality, um, it seems like there is kind of this difficulty for women to break into gaming, which would mean that a large portion of people making video games are male. And if they were like the, you know, the videographers and the film teams that I saw for the 48-hour film festival, it's kind of like they don't know how to see women other than the you know, kind of like a sex symbol or a princess to save, like an object that is a goal at the end, which I realized that that was a very strong way of saying it. But it's also kind of sad to think about that you can't think outside the box because some awesome stories come from the idea of not putting out what you see or not, I guess, creating a storyline and a visual field for people to see that is outside of the realm of what they are normally thinking about. Sorry, total rant. 
does it even matter how women are portrayed in games? I mean, these are just games, and we gamers love to argue that violent video games don't make them violent. Most people who play Grand Theft Auto don't go out and run over little old ladies in their cars. So what does representation of gender in games matter? I don't... I... I would think that it was almost kind of a subconscious thing. You know, I, I don't, obviously, you know, people aren't running out and like running over little old ladies or whatnot, but I also feel that there is less of a kind of apathy towards, and I mean, granted, this gets into my whole view of humanity right now. Cause I just kind of feel like we're not in the best of places. I feel like watching a show or watching a video or playing a video game where, you know, a lot of violence is happening it's exciting and you're in the moment and you, you know, let's say you're playing a fighting game and you just really want to kick the other person's ass because you want to get to the next level. I don't take that as I'm a violent person and I want to go out and kick people's asses. But in the end, subconsciously, it is kind of being like, okay, you're seeing all this violence and you should be okay with it because you're playing with it. And I don't think that that makes you, again, I don't think that makes you a violent person, but it gives you a lot of apathy towards it. Whereas with the you know role of women in video games if you are constantly seeing women portrayed as you know just a goal to get to or you know just like the sexy person who you know oh look it's so hot when her like boobs flop around because you know i just threw her off a cliff or whatever and i'm obviously you know hitting hyperbole here but it's not that you i don't think that that a gamer plays that and says you know oh well clearly the only thing that that women are capable of are goals or sexy objects but it is going to frame your reference and the idea of subconsciously like interacting with women or how you see the scope of the world only seeing women in those roles is not going to give you the opportunity to think outside the box and be like oh well you know maybe this woman would really be awesome kicking ass or maybe she would be a really great leader if you know we have a team put together because she has great logistics and knows how to kick ass but when we go to play this game because i'm so used to having a male leader in all my video games the idea of having a female leader is so awkward that i don't really you know i feel uncomfortable i don't want to play with you know either i don't want to play with this girl and have her be on my team or I don't want to play a video game where there's a woman in charge because that's just not right. That's not how things are done. And so you get into kind of that feeling of, you know, oh, well, this is the way things are. Anita Sarkeesian's YouTube channel is called Feminist Frequency. What is your definition of a feminist? My definition of a feminist is someone who wants equality for both male and female people. Uh, well, I mean, pretty much any gender, but I would... I would say that being a feminist is just somebody who wants to have the world be equal. Um, I know that there's still a pay gap in between women and men, which I'm always fascinated to hear about because like the owner of the company that I work at, it's a um, husband and wife team, but the division that I work under is um, under the, the, um, female head of the, the company and she's brilliant. Like I feel like I could learn so much from her. And so the idea that someone, you know, at the head of a company, if she was applying for a job somewhere and just was like, Oh, well, we're going to pay her, you know, 70% of what a male would make kind of shocks me still. Cause it's like, she's kicking ass, you know, um, she's the one who's kind of 
keeping the company together and, and making stuff work. So I would say that, yeah, to, to be a feminist is just to be like, Hey, you know, maybe um, men and women would be equal for pay and for um, just, you know, life in general. If it's about equality of both genders though, why is it called feminism? Why is it called feminism? Why is it called a gay rights movement? You know, um, you tend, not you, but, uh I'd say that society and people in general would define any sort of movement to make equality an option for any group. They would define it by the group that was actually either being repressed or that was actually looking for equality. So if, you know, let's say that we have people in town A and people in town B and if we find out that people in town A are actually very affluent and it turns out that they're repressing people in town B, the movement would be called, you know, like the rise up of people of town B. It wouldn't be like, oh, well, it's equality for everybody because the people in town A are going to be like, no, we're totally cool. Like, we don't need any difference. We don't need anything to be changed. So it's really not about us when really the people in town B are like, hey, so you know how you made those political decisions and it turns out that you actually took away some of the money that we had to actually get some services here. How about, uh, how about, how about we share that? How about we make it equality? And then all of a sudden it turns into, oh, well, it's town B movement because they're the people who want something. It's interesting, though, that the movement for equality among the races back in the 50s and 60s was generally referred to as the civil rights movement, not necessarily the black rights movement. True. That is actually very true. Um, yeah, there's a flaw in my reasoning, Ken. Thank you. <laughs> so there's one more topic I want to talk about. It's kind of a big one. Have you heard of Gamergate? I have. And, and what is Gamergate? I tried to educate myself as much as possible about Gamergate under the idea that, so when I first heard about it, um, BBC, the BBC News, they were writing about how, um, I think it's Brianna Wu, I think that was her name, that she had to basically leave her home because she had been threatened um, after being, I think it's called doxxed, which is uh, having all of your personal information information sent out so people can threaten you but after that happening she had to leave her home because she got some very serious threats i don't exactly remember what they were but i'm assuming anybody who's going to say hey i have your address and i'm going to do something horrible to you would be considered a horrible threat and so then i had heard that some of it that i think the person who made those threats was associating themselves with gamergate and so in this very kind of, I don't know, I don't know if it's a twisted way of thinking or whatnot, but I find it difficult to believe that there would be a movement out there that would, you know, call themselves Gamergate that was just about trying to hurt people. So I wanted to try and learn what Gamergate was, and I'm still a little lost on the details, but it seems like there was something about an issue with integrity and gaming journalism, and so a group of people created a hashtag to talk about how they were unhappy about how journalism was handling gaming reviews or something. And I believe that the, that the thing that started all of this was that there was a female journalist who was accused of giving out sexual favors for a review or something, which sounded pretty, I mean, 
from what I saw, it was pretty vague. So I don't know if this was just somebody kind of trying to discredit her, if there was actually something going on. But it seems like it then kind of turned into the quote unquote saving of the traditional gamer definition. And so then a lot of teenage male gamers used the hashtag to talk about how horrible it was to have women in gaming, which I still think is hilarious just because, you know, how bad can it be to have more people to play games with? Like if you really love playing video games, why would you say, I don't want to play with you? (laughs) But that's, I mean, that's the extent of what I had found out for Gamergate, but from what the news was saying with the BBC and just from what it sounds like it's turned into, I feel like the definition of Gamergate today would be a bunch of really unhappy adolescent boys that are trying to run around and tell people that they're going to rape them, which is just the worst of humanity. Do you believe there's a legitimate discussion to be had here about ethics and games journalism? I feel like any journalism, you need to look in your ethics because if you are the mouthpiece of an industry, then whoever you are, you need to be ethical because you're the person who's actually informing the masses. I don't think that this should turn into some sort of gender battle, but I do think that in having Gamergate and people kind of get into this whole tizzy over everything, and let me, sorry, that makes me sound like I'm totally discrediting this. Having this escalate to the point where people are being threatened and have to leave their home because of some ridiculous person out there who thought it would be funny to threaten bodily harm to someone. And I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say they were probably bullied as a kid, whether, you know, whoever this person is, is incredibly sad to me. I would like to think that these threats don't really hold merit and that people are just blowing smoke, but there is going to be that one person out there who thinks that they found a movement where they can actually hurt somebody and feel like they belong. And that's when shit gets real. That's when, you know, people get hurt and that's when everyone who's trying to, you know, defend Gamergate all of a sudden says, wait a second, I am not like that person. I'm not the person who actually, you know, went to somebody's home and assaulted them or, you know, threatened to hurt a bunch of people on a campus because somebody was going to talk about their, you know, philosophical view or feminism or anything. I would like to think that people will wake up very quickly to the idea that they don't actually want to associate themselves with a group that is that violent, that is that and, and I know that there's been arguments to say that, you know, well, Gamergate isn't about violence. It isn't about, you know, X, Y, and Z. But then it's, you know, already been hijacked by people who do want to do violence, who do want to, you know, claim that women have no place in gaming and that they're going to then threaten somebody to actually get them to leave their home, which, again, is pretty pathetic. Is there a place for, you know, a conversation of ethics in gaming journalism? We need ethics in whatever journalism is going to be out there. I don't think that we're now talking about ethics in gaming journalism. I think we are talking about something that must have been brewing under the surface for a really long time. A bunch of very unhappy people 
that feel like they're being repressed and now their quote unquote childhood or whatever they think of as like a fun thing to do on the side or something that may define them as, you know, their entire life of I am a gamer and that's all that I am. And I, you know, if, if that's the entire definition of what they are and they feel like it's being attacked by somebody who wants to come in and actually play video games with them. I think that's kind of the issue that we're talking about now. Well, I do want to point out one aspect of your narrative regarding the origin of Gamergate. You said that it was about a female journalist who was trading sexual favors. What happened was that back in August, there was an ex-boyfriend of a female game developer named Zoe Quinn. And this ex-boyfriend went online and posted a 10,000-word missive about how when he had been dating Zoe, she cheated on him supposedly with five men, including with a journalist who then wrote a good review of her game, Depression Quest. Uh, sorry, my bad. See, this is what happens when you're not actually fully informed on something. This is this is why I wanted to do research, but I'm also assuming this is what you're getting at, is that by me not actually going and reading all of this stuff, it just gets twisted. What do you think would have been an appropriate reaction when this 10,000-word memo got posted? If you had come across it and you took the time to read all 10,000 words, how would you have responded? I would feel like somebody had a really bad breakup. If I was to come across and read that, I would step back and think that he had a really bad breakup and that he obviously was not the person who initiated the breakup and was very unhappy about that. Whether or not she did any of the stuff that the, you know, his whole rant would have said, I would have kind of dismissed that and just said, okay, clearly you're unhappy and clearly you were dumped. I'm really sorry. I'm going to move on and try and find something relevant to read. Because there's so much else out there. Yes. (laughs) I could be reading about Plato or existentialism or physics or... You know, the war on Christmas. I mean, there's so much out there. And yet, if that was what I was focused on, I would read it, process it, and then move on. Well, on that note, this is probably a good point to move on. We've covered a lot of ground. I do appreciate you giving me your time and talking about this topic. And I I hope that all these scandals haven't ruined gaming for you. No, I mean, I'm going to continue to play my games and enjoy myself. It's just one of those things where, you know, if you look out your window and you see a negative view of the world, um, it's going to affect you. But it's all about how you are going to either change that view, um, react to that view, or um, give into it. And I'm just going to keep playing my video games. Well, game on, sir. Thank you. You as well. Today I'm chatting with Yunwei. Hi, Yunwei. Hello. How are you today? Good. How are you? Fine, thanks. So you are about 22 years old, is that correct? Yep. And we met just about a year ago at your school where we were participating in a diversity day, appropriately enough for this podcast. (laughs) Uh, What were you studying at school? I studied biology. Excellent. And you have since graduated since I last saw you? Yes. And what have you been doing since then? Um, I've been working, doing real people stuff. (laughs) I work at a hospital. Excellent. Very cool. So you work in Massachusetts, which is where I met you. Yep. If I may ask, do you have any particular political leanings, like left, right, any names that you ascribe to yourself? Um, nothing official. I guess I'm registered as an independent. Uh, I have 
let's say, socially liberal, fiscally moderate views. <laughs> Very good. Sounds like you've given this some thought. People ask me that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> they do. Why would they ask you that? That's a rather personal question. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's that personal. I mean, you know, why do you care what other people think? <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, that's pretty much what the internet is built on. Oh, the internet has stupid characteristics, I suppose. But then again, it's the humans that created it, so... That is true. We are. <laughs> All right. So one of the things that came up in our initial discussion a year ago was that we are both gamers. Yes. Or at least we at least we play video games. So what kinds of games do you like? Um. So what comes to mind right now? I really enjoy the Legend of Zelda series. Uh, I played Assassin's Creed, and Portal has always been one of my favorites. Those are some pretty modern games. Are you playing those on Xbox 360 or Wii U, PS4? I usually go over to a friend's house and they have like an Xbox or they have like a Wii. Uh, I also, I'm sort of like a PC gamer, so I play Portal on my computer. Nice. I also really like the puzzle aspect of it. I mean, it's not just like a brain dead, okay, I shouldn't describe it that way, but you kind of, you have to like think about it, you know, like I like those types of games. So how long have you been playing video games? I guess a few years. I wouldn't call myself like a super hardcore gamer, so to speak. I prefer to play with friends, obviously. So, yeah, I, or when I need some time to relax, I would just boot up my Wii, you know. But some of the games you're describing, like Assassin's Creed or Portal, are not necessarily what you would call casual games. So you may not be a hardcore gamer. Really? Well, <laughs> some people tend to associate casual games with, say, Candy Crush or Farmville. Oh, okay, okay, I see, I see. I mean, it's a it's a nebulous definition. Everybody has their own. Yeah, the differences in terminology. I mean, I don't really separate those categories so finely. But you do, in general, consider yourself a gamer? Yeah. And what exactly does that term mean to you? Just someone who plays games for fun. <laughs> so it's not necessarily somebody who participates in gaming culture or community, or somebody who lives in their parents' basement? Definitely not. Do you go to any gaming conventions? Nope. Hmm. You've never been to PAX East? No, I haven't. Have you ever wanted to? Eh, never really appealed to me that much. <laughs> Is that because you prefer playing with your friends and they're not going to PAX? It's, it's more, well, yeah, that's one part of it. But the other thing is, I'm not so much invested in, like, exploration in that field, so to speak. There's like a lot of stuff that happens in everyday life and it's just that I prioritize it very like stringently and the gaming part is kind of like a lower priority to me. So It's more something you do when you find time as opposed to making time for it. Exactly. Gotcha. Okay. So we know pretty much some of your background with games and what you like to do. Uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about some of the issues that have come up in the gaming industry in the past year. Tell me, do you know who Anita Sarkeesian is? Ah, uh, you should explain. I know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, Anita Sarkeesian is a media critic, scholar. She went on Kickstarter a couple years ago in June of 2012 to raise $6,000 to do a series of YouTube videos examining how women are portrayed in video games. Can you guess what the reaction to that Kickstarter was? So the video was just about portraying women in video games? It was going to be sort of an academic analysis of the history of video games over 30 years and the different ways that women have been portrayed in those media. Oh, okay. Well, 
my reaction would i mean based off what i've seen in video games of how women are portrayed not very happy from the female audience people so not very positive in that light but it is what it is sort of i i, I mean like i don't know how to explain this <laughs> so uh, well, her Kickstarter was rather polarizing. There were a lot of people who were very unhappy with the idea that games could or should be critiqued in this fashion, saying that it doesn't matter how women are, are portrayed or, you know, games are fun and sh they see what she was trying to do as a criticism of a medium that is already often criticized. People are not often popular for playing video games and so critiquing the medium can be seen as a personal attack. And so people went online and they lambasted her, they uh, threatened her on Twitter. One person made a web-based flash game that shows a picture of her face and as you click on her face it shows her getting battered and bruised. Hmm. Okay, well, people suck. So... On the bright side, there were a lot of people who saw that sort of response as highly inappropriate and were very intrigued by her idea. And so although she only asked for $6,000, she ended up getting closer to $160,000. I mean, from an artistic perspective, I think her project is definitely worthwhile. I just don't understand why there's so much outrage about it still. I think you explained this, but I still don't think that justifies what was done, so to speak. Yeah, and unfortunately, it continues to this day. She was supposed to give a speech at Utah State University just this past summer, and the school officials received an anonymous email saying that if they allowed her to speak, the school would be subjected to the worst school shooting in history. Oh my god, these people need to just, like, calm down. Seriously. Like, what is... Wow, okay. Um, <laughs> why are people so dumb? Like, seriously? Do you think that these attacks against her are sexist in nature? Yes. Definitely. So you think that a man critiquing video games would not be subjected to this harassment? Uh, probably less. I would say less, yeah. So why is it that the video game industry hates women so much? Or maybe not the video game industry, but maybe it's the internet. Oh, so now you want me to go into like that whole feminist talk. Well, <laughs> you have certainly come to the right person for that. <laughs> well, you know, like thousands and thousands or whatever, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, Women are portrayed as, you know, the lesser sex, so to speak. Okay, there's, like, the thing about how, like, nowadays we, we're promoting, like, equality. But if you really think about it, women are, for the most part, physically weaker than men. And throughout history, we have been definitely not treated equally. And this is just something that society kind of builds off of. And obviously the video game industry is going to go with whatever's trending right now. And since this is something that has been so deeply ingrained in our society, it's going to show up in those works, those games, so to speak. And that's why I think it happens. It's just like a flaw, a major flaw in society. <laughs> so video games are not the cause, they're just a symptom. Yes. I mean, what's wrong is not the video games. What's wrong is like the people. <laughs> Like, I see video games as, like, a work of art. Like, people put so much effort into it, but it gets influenced by so many different factors. And it's sad. It's very sad because you realize that this piece of art that you work on for so long has is not really your own in the end because it has all these influences from what people want. Because otherwise it's not going to be successful. 
So what is the solution to the way women are portrayed in video games or in the industry or in society? <laughs> Pick any level you want to address it at. Oh my god, this just got like super vague. <laughs> <laughs> Do we need to scale it back a bit? Um, yeah, I don't want to like go into like feminist, like super feminist mode. It's a weekend. Don't make me do this. Not on a weekend. I'm sorry. All right. <laughs> Does it really matter if women are portrayed in one way or the other in video games if it's just a game? I mean, you said it's a work of art and works of art should have creative and artistic freedom, right? Yes. But? Oh, I like how you like anticipated my refute. I took a philosophy class in college once about how I forgot what philosophy. So it was on systems of justice. Sorry, I'm going to rant. But essentially, there was this one type of justice or concept, rather, that I kind of strongly adhere to. And that is that you can do anything you want as long as it is not indirectly or directly hurting someone else. And I mean, it's like interpreted in so many different ways. We like talk about this so like for a long time, but essentially, I think it's wrong just because it has like backlash. That's not necessarily what it was intended to be in the beginning. Like honestly, I think game developers, other than wanting to make a shitload of money, honestly do want to you know make a good game and. They might not anticipate all this, like, you know, controversy regarding, like, things like feminism and how women are portrayed. Like, I, I just feel like it's not completely fair to... Okay, no. There has to be a better way of doing it. That's the real answer. Like, there has to be a better way of making something as entertaining without all the slander that they put into their games. Like, they're just not thinking hard enough. They're just taking the easy rate way out, you know? That's what I believe. Like, I know they're trying hard to make things successful, but you can do it in, like, a much more less offensive manner. And I don't know whether they're, like, not creative enough or something, but they just haven't found that method yet. Do you think it would help if we had more women making video games? Yeah, why not? Diversity, right? You mentioned that these games can have an unintended consequence. There have been arguments for decades, literally, about whether or not video games make us violent, for example, Mortal Kombat or Grand Theft Auto, and we love to say that we can play these games as adults and not go out and kill people, and you yourself have played Assassin's Creed. Oh yeah. <laughs> I have killed a few virtual people, I will admit to this. Right, you know, I mean, <laughs> you are going to be haunted in the afterlife by all these virtual souls. <laughs> You know, it's great because I was actually thinking about this yesterday for some very strange reason. Um, but I think um, it all comes down to some sort of instinctual survival mechanism. Survival of the fittest has always been, you know, Darwin's thing. And in the most part, other than in humanity, it is like the actual law of nature. Survival of the fittest. So when you have these games out... I mean, you have like, okay, Call of Duty, Halo, whatever, like those first person shooter games that are usually very violent. It's about you killing someone else. And even in like multiplayer mode, like you are like in the game killing other people. And that gives you some sort of like empowerment. Like, oh, I'm so awesome. I'm like clearly like the fittest person here because I won and I killed everyone. So in that manner, I actually think it's sort of like an outlet almost for this like instinctual survival of the fittest nature that all 
living things have wow this is like getting really really abstract but back to the point about like whether what was the sorry what was the point (laughs) we like to say that video games don't make us violent but on the other side of the coin we have games that are very sexist that can have an unintended consequence can games make us sexist for the younger generation i think yes just because from my personal experience like little kids retain a lot of information like well okay when i was a little kid i have really good memory like i remember a lot of things and those things have definitely shaped me to be how i am but when you're talking in context of video games i know nowadays people are just like oh my god why are like kids these days just always you know on their computers whatever but i think in moderation it should be okay but I still feel like there are better things to do with your time than just like sit at a console on out for like hours on hours on hours. Because that is when you know you have a problem. Unless it's Portal or Assassin's Creed. Unless it's Portal. I will make an exception for Portal. Well, not really. Like, even if it was Portal, I would have finished it like within a day anyway. So, whatever. All right, there's one more topic I want to bring up. I asked you if you'd heard of Anita Sarkeesian. Now, have you heard of something called Gamergate? I know nothing. (laughs) Gamergate is this thing that has been going on for the last uh, three or four months, and it started back in August when a Boston-based indie game developer named Zoe Quinn, she had created this web-based game called Depression Quest, which is sort of a choose-your-own-adventure game that it's supposed to put you in the role of somebody who's suffering from clinical depression. It's what they call an empathy game. It lets you experience what it's like to live with this condition. Uh, it got really good reviews, and some gamers were frustrated by that because by their definition it wasn't a game, it was more of a, a, a story. But what really happened back in August to cause the current controversy was her ex-boyfriend uh, went on a website and posted a blog basically saying that when the two of them have been dating, she cheated on him with five other guys, including trading sexual favors in order to get a good review of her game, Depression Quest. So this was a 10,000-word rant by her ex-boyfriend. What do you think an appropriate response to that would have been? Uh, what the hell? Like, why are people stupid? But seriously, how much of this is actually fact? Like, does he really have hard, like, hard evidence of this? Or is he just being an ex-boyfriend? <laughs> Well, you know, that is an excellent question, taking into account the source of any story when you come across it. The fact is that there are no reviews of Zoe Quinn's game by anybody that she supposedly did or did not date. So there's very little evidence to back up his theory. However, that didn't stop the internet from uh, trolling her, doxing her. Have you- See, this is what I'm talking about. Why don't people think? Like... People these days just don't think. I don't know where their brains are. Maybe this is just like a degenerate like part of humanity. Oh, the current society is sad. Okay, anyways. Sorry, continue. Have you heard of doxing or being doxed? I've heard of it, but you're going to have to refresh my memory. Uh, basically, it's the publication of an individual's personal details, such as home address. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yes. <laughs> Uh, So Zoe Quinn got doxxed, another Boston-based developer named Brianna Wu, who was speaking out about the portrayal of women in games and also women developers in the industry. Uh, She got doxxed and, as far as I know, has not been able to be home for two months because her address is out there. Since this 
disorganized movement called Gamergate supposedly arose from the complaint that Zoe Quinn was trading favors for good reviews, these Gamergaters, as they're called, claim that the purpose of their movement is to encourage ethics in games journalism. <laughs> that's such bullshit. Oh my god, that's so funny. <laughs> Oh my god, seriously, like, this is, like, so sad that it's funny. I don't understand. These people are just, like, so dumb. <sighs> Holy shit. <sighs> okay. Okay. Sorry. I, like, don't normally talk to, like, really stupid, or we, I don't normally talk about really stupid people, because I tend to ignore them in society, because I don't, like, think they're worth my while, and they're not, so, yes. <laughs> Like, why are people so stupid? Like, I can't believe this. Okay, maybe it's because I've grown up in, like, an ivory tower of smart people, but... <laughs> Am I going to get doxxed now? <laughs> Gosh, I hope not. <laughs> but, the, but you're right. This is a scary industry, and some people are afraid to speak out for that for the fact that they might be targeted. Phil Fish, he is a straight, white, cisgendered male who spoke up in defense of Zoe Quinn, and so Gamergators targeted him. So being a guy doesn't make you safe. Wait, who are these people? Who are who people? Like, who funded it? F funded Gamergate? Yeah. Oh, Gamergate is not an official movement. There are no leaders or organization. It's just, it's basically, it started as a Twitter hashtag. Oh, so kind of like a stupider version of Anonymous? Exactly. Oh my god, they're so stupid. Not Anonymous. I love Anonymous. I think they're awesome. But those people are so dumb. <laughs> oh my god, like... What are they thinking? It must be, like, so... It's, like, they're probably, like, so stupid in their own heads. I, like, can't even imagine. Like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> like, honestly, this is, like, beyond imagining. Like, how is this possible? Like, you would think that as a human, you're, like, intelligent, right? But not really with these people, no. Okay, sorry. Continue. <laughs> no, there's really nowhere else to go but from this. Uh, I'm sorry that I had to be the one to introduce you to it. Uh, okay, wait, wait. Now I'm like curious, though. Like, so what happened to those people? Not the stupid people, the normal people. Uh, well, Zoe Quinn and Brianna Wu and Anita Sarkeesian and others like Randy Harper continue to do whatever work they can in the industry. Brianna Wu has started a nonprofit legal defense fund for women who have been harassed or threatened. She has had a very difficult time getting back to her job as game development. She is head of her own game studio in Boston, which coincidentally employs only women. Uh, not as a matter of course, that just happens to be how it turned out. Mm -hmm. But she is so busy 9 to 5 dealing with talking with the FBI and with local authorities and harassment and setting up this defense fund that she pretty much doesn't have any time to actually make games. Oh my god, that's so sad. I mean, that's so sad. I mean, gaming... Like, making games is an... Okay, like I said, it's an art. But, see, I think this reminds me, like, this entire talk just reminds me of why I chose not to get involved in the whole gaming community thing. Because it's so skewed. Like, the population that is the gaming community is just so incredibly skewed against certain facts, like, certain demographics. And honestly, being in that kind of skewed and closed environment, there's very little someone who's different can do about it ah but then again people are just like really dumb so <laughs> no it is very frustrating women make up 47 percent of gamers but in the game development industry they're only about 12 percent which is also about how much they make up 
of the online community. When I look at my YouTube analytics, I have over 6 million views on my YouTube channel and only about 10% of that is from women. And so mm. it, it, it can be very discouraging to be the one voice speaking up because it makes you that much more visible a target. Yeah, that's true. Not to mention, it's the internet. But if people were to like bring it out onto the real field, like Darwin like wanted in like Survival of the Fittest, it would be a different story. <laughs> Dude, I figured this out. Wait, okay. So like this group is equivalent to um West Baptist Church. Is that the you know, they're like the West Baptist Church. Oh, Westboro Baptist Church of Gaming. Oh my god, it's so funny. And I do find it extremely amusing how apparently their logo is a rainbow. That is interesting. Okay, but yeah. Why are they so stupid? Can you, like, explain this to me? Okay, actually, I already know this. Like, I just, I'm tired of, like, myself explaining to myself why people are stupid. Like, this is, like, a whole other story. Like, there's, like, different sections of stupid. But this is, like, beyond the scale like not even there <laughs> you know zoe quinn went to her therapist and described the situation and asked what i should do and i if i recall the therapist said this is fucked up beyond anything else i've encountered i don't know what to tell you oh uh, well it's hard to change the way things are i mean when i look back wow going into like my semi-sarcastic feminist phase when I look back on, like, history and, like, the whole struggles for equality, it strikes me that we've, like, we've gone far, but at the same time, we've only gone so far. So, it's, it's a progress. I sort of have hope. Except now that you told me about all these stupid people, that hope is, like, fading fast. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> well, for what it's worth, like I said, Anita Sarkeesian's Kickstarter was, you know, about a thousand percent crowdfunded and she continues to make her videos and give public speeches and Brianna Wu is setting up that defense fund so these women have not been driven out of the industry there are some stalwart allies out there who are fighting the good fight oh that's good but I mean but it's about the art like people just don't appreciate art anymore <laughs> like why can't they like attack the piece of art and not the artists like why are people just like so short-sighted I just don't understand they are the most asinine people I've like heard of in a really long time and I have encountered many asinine people uh just have one last question for you use the word feminist very often in this discussion what does that word mean uh someone who promotes equality between the two sexes or actually multiple sexes hmm. okay that's all I need to know. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. Yeah, you too. This has been Polygamer, a GameBits production. Find more episodes, read our blog, or send feedback at polygamer.net. Don't get me doxxed. If you get me doxxed, I will get you doxxed. Trust me, I have friends who will hack you into oblivion. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it was a joke. Don't worry. <laughs>